0: 11th, 2023, and the meeting of the Public Safety Commission is now being called to order. We begin to acknowledge that the land on which we gather, and that is currently known as the City of West Hollywood, is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabriolino Tongva and Gabriolino Critz people. Now, for the Pledge of Allegiance, um, Commissioner Aramian, will you please lead us? If everyone will rise and put your hand over your heart. Um, Commission Secretary, may I please get a roll call?
1: Commissioner Blau? Aye. Commissioner Ramian? Present. Commissioner Freiberg? Here. Commissioner Nickel?
0: Here.
1: Vice Chair Saltzman? Present. Chair Hallman? Present. We have a quorum. Please note that um, Commissioner Harrison is absent this meeting.
0: All right, thank you. Um, Item four is the approval of the agenda Are there any changes to tonight's agenda, December 11th, 2023? Do I have a motion to approve the agenda?
2: Move, we approve the agenda.
0: Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you. Commission Secretary, can I please roll call?
1: Commissioner Blau? Aye. Commissioner Ramian? Aye. Commissioner Freiberg? Aye. Commissioner Nickel? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. The agenda is approved.
0: Thank you uh item five on the agenda is the approval of the minutes are there any changes to the minutes from our november thirteenth, 2023 meeting commissioners can i get a motion to approve
1: will we approve the minutes
0: thank you can i get a second second to motion thank you commissioner secretary can i get a roll call please
1: commissioner blau aye commissioner ramian
0: aye
1: commissioner freiberg aye Commissioner Nichol? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. The minutes are approved.
0: Great, thank you. Uh, item six public comments. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any public comments in chambers this evening?
1: Yes, we do. For our first public comment, we have Mikey Friedman. If you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak.
3: something I consider important being proactive I read that there was a security threat actually a possible bomb threat at the city council meeting I attended last Monday extra sheriffs were there with bomb sniffing dogs to make sure that nothing happened that's called being proactive and protective and the sheriffs were probably there in response to someone raising an alarm so why is it that when it comes to all the buildings in West Hollywood that developers have bought Emptied and left vacant, nothing is being done proactively. Why did it take a conflagration and near tragedy to secure just one of these several buildings? The neighbors on Sierra Bonita did raise an alarm, in fact lots of them, but nobody paid any attention to them until a building burned and a neighbor lost his apartment. Then the city finally wanted to do something about it. I hope they follow through and secure all the vacant buildings. 1280 Sweetser is one that Rick Watts has been complaining about for a long time. It too should be protected proactively, and right now it is not, even after repeated urgent requests. Developers and landlords need to know that they can't get away with it. The city will come down on them hard, because right now they know that basically no consequences are happening to their irresponsibility. Also as you know I'm interested in scooters being banned in West Hollywood because they're extremely unsafe and we need to proactively remove the threat. At the City Council meeting last Monday John Erickson cited that there were 75 car involved accidents but no scooters in accidents in WeHo. Not only is that incorrect, but how can you compare tens of thousands of cars on WeHo streets to possibly 300 scooters? That's faulty logic apples, and oranges. Finally, if you're going to open public bathrooms 24-7, please use those block-by-block security ambassadors proactively, security being the operative word. Otherwise, while those bathrooms may decrease public urination and defecation, they too are a tragedy waiting to happen if they are left open and unattended. Thanks for allowing me to vent. I'd much rather speak to your commission than bitch and moan on social media. Again, safe holidays. God bless.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mikey. Next, we have Kelly Palote. You'll also have three minutes to speak.
4: Hi, um, I live at one
0: Um, Commission Secretary, is the clock going to reset?
4: Hi, I (laughs) live-
0: Hi, give us one moment, sorry. Okay, thank you, sorry about that.
4: Hi, I live at 112, uh, 16 North Detroit Street. My apartment is right beside the back of Ralph's. And we have been having problems with the homeless and the addicted using the stairwell for years. We have complained about it, nothing has been done. They climbed the fence, we have found needles on our property There has been um, people who have defecated our carport. Um, It's just out of control. All hours of the day, all hours of the night, they go in and out. I get woken up in the middle of the night by people pounding on the door and screaming because they want to go in there. I just recently watched a young family pushing a baby stroller while the drug addicts were out in front writing no cut, no smut. So who knows what's going on in there? I know they've called hazmat and cleaned it out a few times. Nobody is doing anything. Call the police, they don't do anything. The safety ambassadors really don't do anything. Ralph's does not do anything. Something has to be done. My building is uh, has six units um, that are occupied all but one are women. We are not safe. We had to put a lock on our our laundry room because they were using it to turn tricks in. It is out of control, and nobody is doing anything about it. Last week, they set a fire, and the sprinklers went off. Thank God, but this is just out of control. I don't want to lose my place of residence. I don't want to lose my possessions. I do not want to try to wrangle up two cats to get them out of the apartment when it's burning because of Ralph's. I complained to the managers. I called corporate once. Nothing has been done, and this has been going on for years. My neighbor, who is an elderly person in the... um building owned by WeHo, he had a gun pulled to him in the middle of the day at like 12 o'clock, trying to rob him. It has got out of control and something needs to be done. I don't feel safe. I mean, I wouldn't care if they closed down that route because I have to drive there at night anyways because I won't walk in the dark. I don't even like walking in the daytime past that. I remember when I first moved in 11 and a half years ago, that it was safe and the thing I would have to worry is like tripping over a stray cat or something. It has got worse and worse and worse every year and nobody, nobody does a thing about it. I fear for my safety and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Next
1: we have Nicholas Robal.
5: Evening, commissioners. Hate has no borders. I told former mayor and council member Lily Bossey, the daughter of Holocaust survivors, that I would address each of you this evening. The incident that occurred in Beverly Hills this weekend is unspeakable. The incidents that occurred in L.A. City's Yaroslavsky's District in Westwood and Holmby Hills, graffiti of hate that I will not repeat in this chamber, has no place. I think as leaders, as commissioners, as citizens, As people of a city, of a state, of a country that believes in freedom, we each have a duty and an obligation to speak out against hate. And the vacuum in leadership in this city to speak out against anti-Jewish hate this past weekend is very clear. And it's upsetting, but I won't be silent when it comes to anti-Jewish hate or Islamophobia or hate of any kind, because again, hate has no borders. I also want to commend our sheriffs and Captain Mulder and Captain Mulder's entire team for how they conducted themselves professionally at last Monday's council meeting. But it went beyond conducting themselves for the duty, they swore. They each had grace and mercy in that room. And as a son of a military person who understands service, I deeply respect each person in uniform. Last, and this is a practical matter, are lamp posts on Santa Monica Boulevard. Last council meeting, Captain Mulder and Mayor Portem Erickson engaged in a conversation about lighting. If you look at the blue lamp posts, they're really dirty. I mean, they're full of dirt and smudge. And I think for safety, if we could get those cleaned for everyone in the city, that would be great. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Nicholas. Final speaker is Rick Watts, if you want to approach the podium.
6: Thank you, Commissioners. Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. Um, I, I don't want to be here tonight. I, needless to say, at this time of year, we've got so many other things I would much rather and really need to be doing than come to another public meeting, and I'm not one to just come and just to hear myself speak, but unfortunately given what happened on Thanksgiving um, and my comments almost ad nauseum at at prior council meetings and and Public Safety Commission meetings, uh, to sum it all up, well, I told you um, with respect to the property that, uh, or one of the properties that uh, um, Commissioner uh, Armanian pointed out over on Sierra Bonita. Uh, We've got a similar property, one among multiple such properties in West Hollywood that are problem properties, uh, because of problem landlords. Now, I don't wanna beat up on, on figuratively, uh, on, uh, on homeless persons who are more likely, quite frankly, to be victims of crimes than to perpetrate crimes. Um, but uh, these un- unsecured properties, and 1280 Sweetser is still an unsecured property. It is a fire trap an attractive nuisance, and a vermin breeding ground, for which there have already been two fires associated, one of which was an arson committed against uh, the vehicles of of, uh, 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 the neighbors immediately to the north. I can show you pictures on my cell phone that I took this afternoon of windows that had been opened in there, and just two or three nights ago, again, smelling what once again smelled like a a fire going on, presumably there, um, it, it smelled like it was probably, uh, uh, once again, asphalt chunks being burned. Um, I don't know when the last time wa- was that deputies were, were there. and uh, I'm glad to see that there is a—that um, uh, security ambassadors are, are now stationed over at uh, 1030 or 1032 Sierra Bonita. But, um, 1280 Sweetser is still unsecured, and it is a disaster waiting to happen if another fire happens in the wee hours of the morning during Santa Ana winds such as we had raging uh, last week at 40, 50 miles an hour at times. It is going to be touching off spot fires all the way down the block on Sweetser, probably on Harper, possibly uh, over on uh, uh, across the street on Sweetzer as well. Um, and uh, as i've said before at a certain point foreseeability becomes liability the number one responsibility of of government is to keep its citizens alive and safe and these properties need to be secured and the landlords need to be held accountable and take it out of their hide. they they can't keep they can't keep privatizing as speculators uh, whatever money they can get out of the property and putting onto the public the costs of their irresponsibility thank you
0: thank you commission secretary any additional public comments in chambers
1: we don't have any other um comments in chambers
0: and i understand there won't be any comments in zoom this evening correct? no zoom calls okay great thank you um Item 7, 7A, were unfinished business. The Los Angeles County Fire Department will now provide a report on activity for the month of November, 2023. And if it's easier, you can sit at the desk over there if it's...
7: Whatever works for you guys, doesn't matter to me. Okay. I've been sitting a lot, so I'll stand if that's Great,
0: okay. all right, thank you.
7: Yeah, can you guys hear me okay?
0: Um, you might need to lean in.
7: Forgive me, this is my first time being up here. My name's Zach Hates, uh, LA County Fire Department. Uh, I work uh, the city of West Hollywood on the B shift Uh, which covers uh, obviously City of West Hollywood, all surrounding areas as well with LA City and Beverly Hills. Uh, We have two stations that cover this area, 7 and 8. And it's been a challenging November, obviously because of winds and some of the things that we've had going on of recent. And I'll go through those right now. Um, So with the total of calls that we've had, uh, 16 total fires, 404 medical rescues, 11 hazardous condition type calls, 27 various service calls, and 170 good intent calls, tallying, tallying a total of 628 calls for our two stations. Of the 404 medical calls that we had, the three most common types of calls were general sickness, obviously we were getting close to flu season, uh, major injuries, uh, trips and falls and things like that, and then also uh, unconscious uh, type patients uh, found in different areas of the city. Of the four and four medical calls, LA County uh, transported 182 patients with basic life support, and also transported 93 patients with advanced life support. Of the 16 type fires that were responded to. Uh, We extinguished 10 rubbish fires in and around West Hollywood, uh, keeping them from exposing any other buildings. Uh, One cooking fire in a kitchen at a uh, residence, and then four structure fires, which is up from our previous numbers. Uh, The hazardous condition type calls were generated from gas leaks, down electrical lines, vehicles into a structure, and carbon monoxide exposure. Um, That's a brief overview of what I've got. If anybody has any questions, I'm prepared to answer them the best that I can. Great. Um, Commissioners, do we have any
0: questions?
8: Um, Yes, just one question. Um, Excuse me. In regards to the structure fire on Sierra Bonita, have they determined what the cause for that fire was?
7: Haven't. uh, Investigators are still working on the cause. I have not received a cause yet. Thank you. You're welcome. commissioners any
0: other questions yes commissioner thank you
2: chair Holman. um thank you for for being here tonight and uh reporting to us i just wanted to follow up there are a number of um there have been a number of rubbish fires and there were 10 that were reported in november and then there was also one at a building that was under construction at 1159 from mosa and uh, there was a note that there was rubbish in the building, um, uh, a high volume of rubbish that was lit on fire.
7: What's the address? I'm sorry. Sure.
2: 1159 Formosa. Sorry. I had um, emailed questions um, to Assistant Fire Chief Smith. So I'm sorry. I have a lot of questions. So no, that's okay. I, I'm sorry to pull them out on you. Um, so anyway, my question is, is are these also connected with what commissioner ramian said do do we know are these rubbish fires that are being started for warmth or is can can you can you characterize them at all
7: yeah for various reasons i don't want to point them all in one direction right um, i i think obviously as we're getting into the colder months yes for a fact some of these are being used for For warmth or for shelter and things like that um but i i can't tell you that it's all of them say for instance like a construction site like uh, 1159 formosa um i I can't tell you if that was uh, personal belongings or construction materials and things like that Um, I, i do know in the city of west hollywood and on the border we've also been going to fires these numbers are also a little bit skewed because um, on the border with LA City Fire Department, which you will not receive these reports tonight because that's their department, they cover that area. Um, we've been going to the same types of calls as well to ha- assist them. Um, so yes, obviously um, a lot of the rubbish fires are due to warmth um, for people experiencing homelessness, but it's also other reasons as well.
2: Um, and, and that is a concern because as you said, it's getting colder. And if some of them are being started for this reason, we're going to see more of them. So it goes back to the issue of securing the buildings. Um, At the last meeting, I know that um, Sierra Bonita was brought up and it had been brought up previously when we went on a walk along. Um, I brought up a building that is on the northwest corner. It's a series of buildings. It's vacant. It's a northwest corner of uh, Fountain and Fairfax. There were two fires there. I specifically asked about it because I had gone on a ride along with Station Seven back in May, they were called out to it and they were exasperated because they have been called out to this location multiple times. So I know that Director Rivas, I, I was in touch with you afterwards about this because Captain Ball had a simple question. Who in the city can secure these buildings? So my question for you is, what do you need the city to do to secure this building, the one that Rick Watts talks about, any other vacant buildings, what can we do to make certain that this doesn't continue to happen?
7: That's not an area of expertise of mine. I apologize. Um, Obviously, the more you fortify a construction site or an abandoned structure, the better.
3: Hmm.
7: Um, From... A lot of the structure fires that we've um, I, I've presented to you tonight, um, most of them are abandoned, and so um, for us, it, it we're not in the business of securing the buildings. It, it, it really depends on whether um, you, you use a uh, you you go after the people that actually own the property, or you. Um, you know, it, it, our, our limitations are, are, I'm sorry, we have a lot of limitations with the fire department on on stuff like that. Our fire prevention unit doesn't focus on these things. It focuses on um, the buildings that are obviously being inspected on a regular basis. Uh-huh. We don't have the, the personnel or the manpower or the funding to go through that route um, to fortify these places. The, people are going to find a way in if all you do is put just a, a mild fence around it. So,
2: Well, you deal you deal with the life-threatening situation once the worst already happens. So I was just wondering if you had any insight about how to keep that from happening. So a small fence isn't going to do it, so that's a little bit of it. I'm sure we'll discuss it more later tonight. I appreciate your your, your thoughts on this.
7: Yeah, and, and just understand, too, is is even though um, whether we agree with it or not, is we look at every structure as being inhabited, you know what I mean? And so whether... It, it, people are or are not living in it, we're still going to go through the same process of making sure that there is searches done to make sure that, you know, um, whether it is people experiencing homelessness or not, we're still going to do our best to um, protect and save the people that are in there. So yes, it does expose us because most of these buildings are um, older, um, dilapidated, run down. And so the threat to my personnel is even greater. Um, But, you know, we also accept that inherent danger with our job, too. So.
2: Well, where it can be avoided, it should be avoided. Thank you.
7: You're welcome.
0: Um, Commissioner Freiberg, did you have a
9: question? He stole my question. Oh, right.
0: Um, Commissioner, any additional questions? All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful holiday. You as well. Item 7B, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department will now provide a report on activity for the month of November 2023.
6: Good evening.
10: Okay, so just reviewing, um, the data that we're providing is coming in a little bit of a different format, just to remind you that um, our report will be slightly tapered down just because of that, so you have more data to, to review prior to us showing up. For the month of November, the West Hollywood Sheriff's Station responded to 1,697 calls for service. Uh, deputies made 44 felony arrests and 68 misdemeanor arrests. There were 191 part one crimes for the City of West Hollywood in November. Uh, when broken down by districts in the city, uh, the West District provided uh, accounted for 61% of all the Part One crimes. City Center was 25%, and the East end of the city was 14%. Uh, overall, our uh, Part One crimes are being driven by property theft. This month, we had 45 pickpocketing incidents, um, and that accounted for 24% of our Part One crimes. So, it accounted for a large chunk of our Part One crimes. Uh, Almost all of these pickpocketing incidents occurred in the entertainment venues in the Rainbow District. Um, As you know, the people committing these crimes are typically organized groups working in teams, targeting individuals where people can easily be distracted and have their guard down. Uh, Our entertainment policing team conducts foot patrols and continues to make regular contacts with entertainment venue employees and keep them aware of the situation. Um, some notable incidents are some notable uh, notes for the, the station this month. Our volunteers donated 206 hours of time this this month. Um, Commissioner Nickel, I know you did a ride along with our volunteers and they were very happy that you uh, were able to spend time with them and see what they do. Um, if any of the other commissioners would like to do that, we can arrange that on the side, but the, the volunteers would very much like to have you guys involved with what they do. On uh, November 7th of this year, Uh, Six suspects were arrested in front of a bar on the 8800 block of Santa Monica Boulevard. These suspects were working in concert to uh, pickpocket cell phones from uh, patrons of bars and people walking down the street. Deputies arrested them and recovered six cell phones that they had in their possession. Um, On November 15th, a suspicious device was found on the 1400 block of Fairfax Avenue. Based on the appearance of the device, the deputies conducted evacuations of nearby residences. The Sheriff's Department arson explosive detail responded to the location to investigate. The device was found to be non harmful and the area was reopened to residents. The incident is currently under investigation by our detectives. On November 16th, uh, there was an assault with a deadly weapon call on the 1200 block of Fairfax Avenue. A male appointed what appeared to be a rifle at a school employee as they were checking in students at the school. The suspect fled the area. Uh, Our deputies utilizing department resources as well as the flock cameras that we have installed in the city were able to track the suspect vehicle just outside of the city. The suspect was located and arrested and an airsoft rifle was recovered during the investigation. On November 18th, a large group Over 100 bicyclists were reported traveling westbound on Santa Monica Boulevard, traversing the city. The station received several calls reporting the bicyclists that they were taking over all lanes of traffic and blocking intersections. Uh, Deputies arrived and located the group as they began to leave the city and enter the city of Beverly Hills. Our staff notified Beverly Hills PD of the group that where they were headed. Uh, We've had groups similar to this enter the city in the past uh, typically, we're not made aware by the group's organizers that they are coming into our area and in their intended path. Um, this year, we've only had one of these incidents reported so far. Um, on November 19th, a suspect made forced entry into an apartment complex of the 1200 block of Crescent Heights. The suspect was uh, possibly going into the complex to steal mail and packages. Prior to leaving the location, the suspect started a small fire in the mail room. Um, The suspect has been identified by our station detectives and is currently wanted. Uh, We believe that suspect to be in the area, and we are actively looking for him. Uh, That concludes our report for November. Uh, We're open to any questions if you have anything.
0: Thank you. Um, Commissioner Blau.
11: Thank you.
10: Uh, thank you for your report. Uh,
11: I'm loving the new format. Um, a quick question regarding, and we've, we've heard a number of times from kind of community and as well from members of the commission about the Ralph's property. Um, I can't remember it, Does the sheriff department have a letter of
10: agency for the property currently? So the, the Ralph's property is a little bit different. It, I don't believe it qualifies for the, the, the minimum things that the letter of agency requires. Okay, Because the Ralph's property is a, a business that's open to the public. Um, I believe that Ralph's is 24 hours, I, I think. I'm not 100% sure yeah. on that. It, it used to be, I, I think it still is. Um, so it, it wouldn't be really something that would apply for a letter of agency. letter of agency is more um, private property type of things.
11: Okay, um, and so then is there, from a, you know, what can the sheriff do to uh, help, help address the problem, you know, with that, with that stairwell that we've heard about a number of
10: times now? So, so it's, it's definitely something that's currently on our radar. Our teams have been going there on a regular basis because we have received an uptick in calls and, and complaints regarding it. And it has been a problem over the years. Um, you know, sometimes there will be nothing going on there, no problems whatsoever, and then all of a sudden it, it, it brings back that element. Uh, we're not sure why, but w- we're continuing to check it and clear that, that uh, stairwell whenever we can. Uh, and we, we go in there basically looking to see anybody's essentially hanging out in there mm-hmm. um, and then seeing what the deputies can do with those people. Um, sometimes they're hanging out just because they're homeless and they're trying to stay warm, um, and that's not it's necessarily somebody that we would be enforcing laws on. We'd just be asking them to leave. Um, when things like drug activity is going on, that's when we would be taking action for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you.
11: Um, I also want to highlight uh, the, my, one of my favorite sections, uh, the, the CIT team statistics. I love the CIT team. Um, a question that I had is uh, regarding the CIT operation segment, um, what, what qualifies as crime suppression for the CIT team? I'm not right. clear on that. So the, 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 s- team. the
10: CIT team, that's the crime impact oh, team. Oh, crime impact. Um, that, that's comprised of both our COPS team during the daytime hours and our EPT time, uh, team in the nighttime hours. Um, both of them together is our, our SIT team, is what we call them. So that's what that's what that term is. Got it. Um, w- when it refers to operations, that's when something um, w- we find that we need to focus in on. So, for example, um, residential burglaries and cr- uh, vehicle burglaries were up last month, so we focused on those um, as a target for our operations. So what we did is we looked at our stats and our crime trends, and we focused our teams to focus in certain areas with a, whether it was the east end, the west end, um, and to speak with our detectives, see who we're looking for in those areas, uh, possible suspects, things like that. And what those teams do is they saturate those areas, Um, they do foot patrols if possible, um, bike patrols if possible, it just depends on the day and the night, but they're basically crime-focused operations based on what the current crime trends are. Great,
11: uh, thank you for that clarification, thank you. that is the end of my questions. Thank you very much for your report.
0: You're welcome, um, Commissioners. Yeah. Commissioner Nichol.
2: Chair. Sergeant Duran, Lieutenant Lapkin, thank thank you for your report. Um, thank you for bringing up the bike takeover. I was in the middle of the bike takeover. It was very scary. Um, they didn't just take over the streets. They actually hit the cars and spat on the cars. It was unpleasant, so hopefully they just don't come back to our city. I know it's impossible because you you have no idea. But it wasn't like, it wasn't a protest. It wasn't, it was just people riding through trying to disrupt things, correct?
10: Correct. Um, There's a a couple different groups that we've identified over the years that do this. Um, I'm not going to mention their names, but there there are groups that, that do these bike rides and they organize in whatever fashion they do, social media, I'm not sure. Um, but they don't give us any type of uh, indication that they're coming into our city or what routes they take. And essentially, that's what they do is they just take over the roads. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, also, uh, I'm glad that you, that you mentioned the fire that was started um, at Crescent Heights in the, in the mailroom. And that was my question, you answered it, that the person has been ID'd and you're looking for them.
10: Yes, that's correct. Uh, We we definitely know who this person is. This person um, has been arrested by us in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully this week we'll be be releasing a crime bulletin to the public, um, showing this person's face and asking for the public's help. We do believe this person is in the area.
2: And, I mean, I'm asking you to speculate unless he he or she has a history, but the primary motivation was robbing or was it, it's not arson, right?
10: So the... The, we believe for this location and that incident that the the primary goal there was to steal mail. Um, that's what this person does, has done in the past, and has been arrested for. Okay. Um, so that's what we believe what the target was for. Um, we're not sure why the arson occurred, but it did occur obviously. Um, but yeah, that we believe it was mail theft is what that was the goal.
2: Got it. Um, and then I did just want to bring up again that we have robberies and burglaries I mean you went over some of them but they're residential as well um, and I know that I know that you're covering last month but this month already there have been several incidents um, on the west side Dorrington and um, Rangely. I believe there have been several of them over there do we are these the same people that we've talked about before is it the same gangs is it do we have any idea? Do we have any suspects? Where are we at with this? You
10: know, so some cases we do get suspect information from cameras, things like that. Not every single incident we, we, do we have suspect information. Um, we believe that that a lot of our crime is through organized groups. It, it's hard to nail that down and right. hard to speak on that a lot of times. Um, but but yes, some of, the, some of the crime that we have going on is definitely organized crime that, that is being involved with these things. Um, And and it's a matter of us getting things to link it or things to to help uh, figure out those crimes are being done by those people, cameras, things like that, video footage is a great help for us linking them. Got it.
12: Just to add one more thing to that. So I know that our crime analyst uh, uh, is in contact with all the other crime analysts within the area. And there's a meeting this week that we're going to be involved with in regards to this because it is an organized group that comes in and goes to, right now they're targeting the West End, Mm -hmm. um, but LAPD has the same um, problems, uh, Beverly Hills, all our our West End um, uh, different police stations, so we're all gonna have a meeting this week just to discuss um, and share information. So that is something that all agencies are working on trying to solve, but it is, um, unfortunately it's an organized crime that just targets certain areas.
2: Good, I hope it's a fruitful meeting. Thank you both.
0: Um, commissioners, any additional oh, Commissioner
8: Ramian. Uh, good evening, uh, Sergeant and Lieutenant. Good to see you both today. Um, I have a question uh, in regards to the unhoused outreach section. Uh, it states that there was 187 um, contacts made to the outreach. Out of that, 96 uh, were contacts made, 90 were services offered, and only one uh, individual accepted the services. Is that actually ac- an accurate number out of 187, only one person accepted services from you guys?
10: So that, that 187 number that's on there, that is a total. Um, the way that, that they put this spreadsheet together, that's a total of the the 96 contacts made, the 90 offered, and the one, that's where that 187 comes to, to together. Really what it should look at when you guys see that number is 96 contacts were made, out of those 96 contacts, 90 people were offered services, and out of those 90 people that were offered services, one accepted uh, services or information.
8: Got it. Um, Do we know what services were offered and what were accepted, or was this primarily our um, deputies doing patrol, or was this part of our
10: MET team um, who was on patrol? So this data is strictly our our SIT teams, our COPS team, and our EPT teams. When they're going out and doing different things, different operations, different checks, whatever it is, um, that's strictly their data. So our our SIT team has made um, 96 contacts and offered the 90, and then the the one person accepted. I don't know what it is, what what they accepted. Uh, Typically, we offer literature, um, um, the... Um, care teams we offer homeless shelters depending on what the situation is obviously is the difference what we offer Um, in like like you see it's rarely accepted
8: and I know we can't force you guys can't force them to accept any um, offering that you're giving them so what happens when they don't want to accept and they don't want to leave the city and they don't want to leave the premises and stuff like that happens Um, what happens then
10: Obviously, if they're not committing um, some type of a crime, th- there's not really much we can do. And even if they were committing a crime, that's really not a solution in our eyes to what, what the problem is. Um, it, it, it's a tough, it's, it's one of those tough battles that that all law enforcement is facing right now, where we're dealing with people that are homeless, which isn't really a crime. I mean, they may commit crimes, but um, trying to force things upon them is not really a solution in our eyes. We do our best to try to offer things and, and make things better for them. but you know, forcing the the issue is not something that is beneficial.
8: Uh, One last question I have. Um, Since it's getting colder outside, are you guys going to see more of an uptake in arrests where either the unhoused want to get off the streets to go somewhere warm, to get, you know, a bologna sandwich, to have blankets? Are we going to, in previous years, have you guys seen an uptick in in arrests, so where they do get off the streets, where they do get cleaned up. Because I have noticed, you know, some of our unhoused uh, residents in West Hollywood, they do disappear for a couple of months. They either do get arrested in county or do go to prison. Uh, But when they are released, they do come back on the streets. Um, So I just want to see, and I've noticed there are, you know, familiar faces back on the streets again Hmm. uh, from a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago. Um, I just wanna know if that's something that you guys are gonna be seeing more and more as it does get colder outside.
10: Um, it's, it's hard to predict whether we're gonna see more. I have, personally, I've seen that happen where um, an unhoused person wants to be arrested to, to go into the jail, essentially, to, to have that break from the streets. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture to say that we're expecting that or we anticipate that. If it happens, you know, it happens, but um, that's not something we can necessarily predict that, that we think is gonna happen.
0: Thank you. Um, Commissioner Freiberg.
9: Hello. Thank you for your presentation. Just two quick questions. Number one, for observations for year-to-date 2022 and 2023, it's down about 2,000. Why is that and what does that mean?
10: Um, You you know, there's no necessarily reason for that. Um, Let me see. It it says that we were down about 200 or so. Um, It it just varies, so observations, that's uh, deputy self-initiated work, that could be a traffic stop, that could be a a public contact, Um, that could be something that they're checking a property. Um, There's a lot of different uh, reasons for observations. Um, That's the term that we use as an observation, Um, but the the drop from the the 200 or so.
9: I'm looking at the one its 2000, if you look under observations, year to date. 2022 and 2023, to so 16,000, and then oh, okay. last year was 18. Okay, I see, I see what 18. you're looking at.
10: So I was looking at the uh, the month of 2023 oh, yeah. no, the for the year November. to date. So the year to date, yeah, it's it's approximately 2,000. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily see a a reason for it. It's, um, it's just one of those things. I mean, it, it's not that there's something happening that shouldn't be happening or that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, It just, the trends of the city, trends of crime, it just depends, it really does. Um, Like I said, not all those observations have to do with crime. It could be checks, vacation checks, it can be um, stopping and talking to somebody on the street. Every time a deputy makes contact with somebody, they create an observation. So, there's a lot of different factors that are in there that can, you know, sway those numbers.
9: Okay, and then the other thing, I didn't see the number of pickpockets on here. I heard you say it, 45. Did you mix it in with something else? Because usually you have it on a separate sheet.
10: It should be in there somewhere.
9: Because I know um, you had changed things around, so I don't know if maybe I'm missing it.
10: Yeah, I, I wasn't the one that created the spreadsheet, but it, it should be somewhere in our, our data.
12: It's you ha- under theft. It has the grand theft pickpocket on the West Hollywood Station Part One Crime Report. Looks like this, the long one. It has the grand theft, um, and it has the numbers, um, grand theft total of oh, 10 okay. for okay. the month, okay. but it doesn't have the misdemeanor grand theft, which includes, again, the lesser value.
9: Okay. So talking about pickpocketing, um, so one of our residents was at a club and someone, a woman, had tried to pickpocket his friend. And they stopped her, went up to the bouncer and said, "Um, she just tried to pickpocket my friend. And he's like, nothing we could do about it. Because I know you had mentioned that you said you speak to clubs and you tell them, you know, to be aware of the incident, and then they do nothing about the incident. So where does this circle just dies? What is... I don't know. The,
10: the, the, there's quite a few like, of our our clubs and our bars that that actively do look for these people as well. Um, there's plenty of them that have taken action. They've detained people for us and called us out. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, your friends experienced that that happened where um, maybe one of their staff is unaware what they can do or unaware that they should be calling us out for something like that. Um, we, we do our best to, to make the bars, clubs, entertainment venues, aware of the problem that, that it is going on and that they should be looking out and assisting their patrons. Um, but when they, they drop the ball, I mean, I, I, it's tough for me to say that, I don't know why they did it, but um, maybe we should get better at putting that word out there a little bit more. We actively do though, every weekend we do foot patrols and our EPT team does hit all of our regular venues and, and make them aware that this is still a problem that's going on here in the city.
9: Yeah, because I mean, I would assume that number is way higher than this. And a lot of people just don't even know that it happened. They thought they lost our phone.
12: Um, maybe we can speak offline and then we can discuss which establishment is, and then we can go contact them and just remind them of what their resources are when a victim of potential or a what their resources are.
9: Okay. And then my other question, and thank you. My other question would be, what about cameras in the nightclubs? Do you ever have access to them?
10: So we, we, we have our, our detectives, whenever there's a crime that occurs, obviously that goes to a detective to investigate. Um, our field deputies will try to obtain video right from the scene whenever, we, whenever possible, um, but we always have our detectives do follow up. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll ask for video footage from any business, not necessarily a bar or a club. Uh, we'll always ask for video footage if, if there's something available or we... Potentially think that there's something available. We'll ask and most of our businesses are are pretty um, pretty uh, Have a good working relationship with us and they they do provide it willingly
9: Okay, good. Okay. Thank you very much
0: Uh, Commissioners any other questions? Um, I have a few Uh, Pleasure med Which recently opened uh, I believe their first week of business uh, they experienced a robbery. Um, are there any updates that you can share with us on that or any information? I did meet with one of the managers.
10: Do you know when that was, by chance?
0: Um, no, they've only been open, I would think, maybe a month and a half, if that
12: We'll have to look into it because I'm okay. not aware of it, but we'll look into it and we can send you that information and see what the status yeah, is. And I
0: apologize. I didn't think to, um, you know, prep you in advance. It's just something that popped into my head while we were sitting here. Okay. So I'm sorry. Um, and then, obviously, with the holidays and we're all aware of retail theft, uh, you know, I frequent the Target at Santa Monica and La Brea several times a week um, because it's my happy place, um, and I noticed in the self-checkout area that one whole side of the self-checkout registers were blocked off, and I thought maybe it was a maintenance thing, but I think they are doing this now just because they're trying to direct all everyone who's doing self-checkout to one side because of possible theft that's going on. And I do know the deputies go into Target because I've been there and seen them and spoken with them. But um, do you do a higher patrol this time of year since it is the holiday season? Because, you know, the line is mounting itself checkout now since you can only utilize one side.
12: We do, and I know that um, we've designated a, a one unit with two deputies for the holiday suppression. So they are to do all the commercial area. So they're not getting any calls for service. They're supposed to be visible, and, and it, crimes. You know, if any incident happens, they're supposed to go contact, you know, the business. So uh, we do have the holiday suppression, and the, including our footbeats, and including and um, in the teams. If we have again, like um, Sergeant Iran spoke about. Th- uh, depending on what the crimes are throughout the week, we focus that um, our resources for um, that week on whatever happened the previous week. So we we do have uh, an additional additional units for that.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, um, Commission Secretary. Do we have any comments in chambers? And I apologize, I missed that um, when we were doing the fire report. Um, if any residents had any, we don't
1: questions. have any public comments in chambers.
0: Okay. Great, thank you, commissioners. Any additional comments or questions? Rather, okay, well, thank you.
10: Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We won't see you until next year, so happy new year as well.
0: Oh, I'm sure we'll see you before then. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll see you. <laughs> uh, item seven the block by block security ambassadors will now provide a report on activity for the month of November 2023.
13: Am I on? Yes.
0: You're on, good evening.
13: Good evening, okay. So for the month of November, just wanted to report on a couple of metrics um, as compared to last year in the same time timeframe. Uh, business contacts for us um, equaled about 3,900, uh, about over 3,900 contacts. That was an increase of about 1,600 contacts of, of businesses throughout the city. Uh, And
0: not to interrupt you, but could you just shift your (laughs) microphone? So, yeah, thank you.
13: Is that good? Okay. Uh, Unhoused contacts compared to November of last year were a total of of 1,334. Um, That was uh, the biggest increase that we saw uh, also included uh, Santa Monica uh, and uh, the east side of the city where we saw the biggest increases as compared to November of last year. And calls for service, uh, we saw a total of 823 for the month of November this year, uh, also a considerable increase uh, from last year, uh, which amounted to an additional 695 calls. Uh, In total, we had 13 calls to the sheriff's department. Um, What I did want to provide was a a breakdown of what those calls entailed as well. Um, Four of those, Nine of the 13 calls that we re- received uh, involved the unhoused. Uh, four of those uh, involved unhoused blocking uh, doorways. Uh, one uh, involved uh, blocked a stairwell at hope Park. Uh, another involved a public right-of-way um, uh, code compliance uh, call. Two were mental and uh, wellness checks uh, for the unhoused, and uh, one of those was brandishing a weapon. For November, as we looked at trends from last year and how to be how to remain proactive as we get into the colder months of the holiday season, uh, we have increased um, our proactive patrols to. Uh, in the residentials to make sure that we are staying proactive around any potential suspicious activity as we're noticing that there's been uh, an increase of calls in the residentials around suspicious activity involving um, you know, folks lingering around uh, cars too long or uh, entering or attempting to enter property. So as we see uh, that increasing, we're paying special attention to those areas. Uh, we have noticed uh, an increased level of verbal and physical aggression as we are making contact with individuals uh, throughout the city. Uh, notably, obviously, as it's getting colder and, you know, people are a little more resistant to relocating um, these contacts or these um Asking for compliance has become a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, We've also noticed an increase of aggressiveness from drivers on Santa Monica. We've had a couple of incidences where uh, a few of our ambassadors have either been injured where they're run off the road, and in one incident, uh, one was struck. Uh, They were not injured severely, but still, uh, that's one thing that we're definitely coaching our ambassadors to keep a lookout on, overall um, increased levels of aggression um, as we're proactively patrolling uh, the city. We um, also uh, have identified um, or continue to keep a close eye on several hotspots throughout the city. Um, 1105 Laurel is one that we continue to talk about as far as a hotspot where we see increased activity. Um, this is a, a abandoned property uh, where we have um, also had contact with Code Compliance to make sure that we walk with them and also keep a close lookout on other properties throughout the city. Uh, as you all know, Sierra Bonita kiosk that we had uh, right after the Thanksgiving fire, uh, we just finished our uh, deployment there as of Saturday afternoon. Uh, we were informed that the property owner did... Uh, provide their own private security, but we were providing a 24-7 kiosk there as we were keeping um, any potential uh, transients or unhoused individuals out of the property. Uh, In addition, we've provided um, a more proactive patrol into the stairwells of Weehole Park as folks are looking to hunker down. Um, We have seen that we've found an increased amount of individuals um, hunkering down in the stairwells of Weehole Park, especially in the morning hours. And then finally, um, encampments, uh, finding an increased amount of encampments, especially along Melrose, uh, kind of like the outskirts of Melrose. And so um, as we are proactively uh, patrolling the city, we're um, addressing encampments throughout the uh, area as well. And finally, um, I did want to provide some, some clarity um, during our city council meeting. Uh, there was some questions around what our statistics um, defined. And so I wanted to take an opportunity to provide some clarity around some of those statistics and offer some more information. Um, in, when it comes to hospitality assistance, Whenever we offer hospitality assistance, this is generally an an exchange of information between an ambassador and a member of the public, whether it's residents or visitors or uh, members of the community, um, whether we're providing um, directions or we're providing general information about the city, or you know, if someone's asking you know, for the nearest restroom, for example, public restrooms, the nearest parks, um, any information where we are going beyond just saying hello to folks, we're actually exchanging information with folks, that is what's considered a hospitality assistance. Business contacts are where we our ambassadors um, make a quick visit to, to businesses as to not interrupt their normal course of business. It's really just a hello, um, Ambassador Erica here, uh, saying hello and just letting them know that that ambassador will be you know patrolling the area and if they need anything they can they can feel free to call or report any suspicious activity. Um, Calls for service, those are calls that we receive to our phone, whether there's calls or texts, those are calls for service that we receive that we then uh, deploy an ambassador to address. Uh, improper scooter parking is just that. So, whenever we see a, um, a scooter that is blocking the public right away, we, we jot those um, scooters and our ambassadors have specific directions to remove those scooters from the public right away and just place them in a way that they're not in the way of the public um, walking down the sidewalk. And then finally, um, unhoused resident contacts, those are proactive patrols. So anytime that we are on the boulevard or in the public right away and we're addressing issues with the unhoused, those are contacts that we are making outside of service calls. So uh, if we're walking on Santa Monica Boulevard and we see that someone is you know, sleeping in a doorway or in front of like an abandoned building, um, we will make contact with those individuals and ask them for compliance. And um, at that point, if after several tries, we're not gaining compliance, then we would um, escalate to the sheriff's if necessary. Um, that concludes my report. So if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them now.
0: Thank you. Commissioners, do we have any questions? Commissioner Blau.
11: Thank you. Yes, I do have a couple questions. Thank you for your report. Um, there's a note in here that residential patrol contract began in October. So this is kind of the first period that we're seeing that. What are we seeing differently? What are, what are we getting different as a city with the, uh, the residential, um, residential contract?
13: So I, I think I put that in there just to note that our residential contract started last year in October. So if you see a stark difference, it's because that's, this was just a month after we started our residential contracts. So just to kind of note the stark difference between the contacts there from uh, that time frame to now.
11: And what does the residential contract entail? Like, what is, what is the overall scope of work with that?
13: So um, our residential contract calls for an additional 30 ambassadors that are... Uh, to patrol the uh, west side of the residentials um, on either side of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard as well as Melrose. And so these are proactive patrols uh, that are within the residential areas. Uh, In
11: the areas. residential areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, understood. Thank you. Um, what does the patrol look like on the east side? Is Is that Ralph's... Property, one of the one of the areas that we look at. I know that one of the things that's been mentioned is that it is rather dark over there. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is something that we could really leverage the uh, people numbers that we have with block by block, mm-hmm. um, at least to be eyes, feet on the ground, as you will. Yeah. What does it look like over there on the east side?
13: So that is part of our patrol that Santa Monica Boulevard on both the. Uh, south side and north side of the street up to fountain Mm -hmm. and so any uh, interactions that we have on the public right away alongside the ralphs um, we will interact with Um, so now as far as going into the parking lot of ralphs that is considered private property they i know that they do have their own security guards Um, inside that private area, we really don't have jurisdiction, but anything outside of that, we are proactively patrolling.
11: Do we know where the fire escape that's problematic, where, where it sits, is it on Santa Monica or is it further no, in the property? No, on
0: Detroit on the uh, south side of the building. Okay.
11: Are we able to send block by block down Detroit? I mean, that's, that's partially Los Angeles, partially West Hollywood, I'm not sure exactly where the border is around there as well.
13: Yes, so we do patrol down Detroit, but when it comes to entering any part of a private property, that is generally where our jurisdiction ends. So we wouldn't be entered, for example, if there's someone in a, um, a stairwell that is attached to Ralph's, we wouldn't be able to enter that. Of course, if we see any suspicious activity while we're patrolling, um, we definitely would address it with either um, the security guard there or if we're not able to make contact then definitely we would contact the sheriff's
11: all right thank you um, and then in terms of all the you know we've got we've got a number of different vacant properties in either uh, in, in construction phases or you know they're just dilapidated across the city I mean it's it's I'm not sure that the quantity does block by block have that like that full listing because um, you know I, I would I would expect that that would be something that hopefully we could ask block by block to just continue to look at you know maybe it's not. Every every sweep that they're going through in every single segment that they're looking at each individual vacant property but you know. Making sure that they hit and look at each vacant property you know once or twice a day I think seems like a, a good reasonable utilization of uh, of those resources do. Do we have that, do you you have that listing of uh, the vacant properties from the city? I'm sure we could get it from code enforcement.
13: I don't have access to a complete listing at this time, but um, again, in regards to private property, um, as we're patrolling our areas of jurisdiction, if anything is outside of the public right away, we are limited to entering those properties, especially if they're vacant. And um, so again, if we hear or see any suspicious activity, um, our protocol involves, um, if we're able to make contact with the property owner, we will. Uh, we also partner closely with the uh, code enforcement to make them aware of any um, activity. Um, if we've tried to make contact with the property owner um, and recommend you know, um, uh, agency certificates. Um, and again, if anything that we see is is, you know extremely suspicious then we'll escalate to the sheriff's department always
11: right but there's a there is there is value to be gained from you know what you can see street side mm-hmm. right from the public right of way Absolutely. for these vacant properties to say oh, okay you know like this this window's broken. You know, I'm I'm seeing new stuff in here changing. Right. You know, at night there's like lights going on. I'm hearing voices. Absolutely. That kind of thing that we could report back to uh, code compliance um, and maybe like you know report back again, utilizing utilizing the skill and resources that we've got with block by block.
13: Oh, absolutely. For example, like the Holloway Motel is is an area that like we're always patrolling. It's it's very public, so it's, it's very visible. So there have been several instances where we're seeing lights on or we're seeing that a gate has been knocked over and so um, we are cataloging those uh, incidences where we see visible activity when it's not supposed to be happening and we definitely escalate it.
11: Okay um, and then my last my last question here is um, I'll probably skip over unless anyone else has any other questions I don't want to drag this on.
0: Commissioners any additional questions for block by block? Uh, okay. you can continue if you have one more question yeah, just one more one more, one more yeah, thing of thank course. you
11: um, last week at the uh, city council meeting there was a member of the community <clears throat> sorry there was a member of the community who was raising concerns about experiences that they had had with block by block um, you know that that ventured into the realm of uh, you know hate crime and you know misgendering was was raised as a as a topic um, a question was raised by council then about what does the LGBT plus sensitivity training for block by block look like? I, I personally haven't seen anything kind of followed up from that. Um, what is the status on getting more detailed information on what that looks like for block by block?
13: So actually, um, after that uh, city council meeting, um, I personally spoke to the individual that was um, had those complaints raised. Um, I was more than happy to give her my direct number and information and any information that she had about the uh, incidents that she experienced to direct them to me. Um, internally, we obviously have um, an investigation and discipline process. So I assured her that we would follow up with those with those claims. So making contact with her was probably the most urgent thing at that point to let her know specifically that we were addressing um, the issues that she had brought forth. Um, in addition to that, we, actually made some contact out to the LGBT, LGBT uh, Center in Hollywood um, to see if we can uh, partner with them a little more closely and see if they have any resources they could bring um, as far as uh, teaching tools to our ambassadors. So we haven't heard back from them yet, but we did put an email out uh, to them. Um, And sensitivity, uh, diversity, inclusion training is something that's just standard training whenever we onboard any new ambassadors. It's not something that is just um, giving to ambassadors when we first onboard them. It's something that's a continued conversation uh, throughout uh, their employment. Uh, One thing that was important uh, to me specifically is going back to our team um, after those comments were raised and those concerns and, and to reiterate the importance of sensitivity um, we are really proud of the fact that there's a, a good number of ambassadors on our team that are part of the community and so I know that um, you know for us it's particularly important you know to, to, to recognize that and to continue to have those conversations and so you know, uh, feedback is important, so we always, you know, recommend to the public if there's any feedback that they have for us, anything that they feel that we could be doing better, we're always open to that feedback. And so this is one area that you will see us speak more about um, and continue to highlight uh, going forward.
11: Great. Okay, thank you. And I look forward to uh, hearing more about the sensitivity training and how that connection goes with the, uh, with the LGBT Center in Hollywood as well. Um, in the coming months. So thank you very much. No have problem. A good evening. Commissioner Nichols.
2: Thank you, Chair. Good to see you again. Hi. Um, you actually answered most all of my questions in your report. I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, Commissioner Blau brought up about the sensitivity training. So you already do have something in place, and I'm assuming that it's created by your corporate headquarters and it is given to, to new ambassadors, and then they continue to receive further training. Correct. Yes. And it, it was a good idea to reach out to, L, to the LG, LGBTQ Community Center in Los Angeles. I hope they get back to you. Thank you. Um, and then uh, just breaking down as far as the business contacts and the hospitality mm-hmm. uh, assistance, I'm, I'm really glad that you explained that a little bit because the numbers are they do seem very high right they're over a hundred for each each different one okay. so i just had one question about the business so if it is a proactive thing and they just pop in of course they don't want to disrupt business if somebody asks for help then at that point they're there and they they can do that so it's a proactive thing you guys are out on the streets making contact with businesses absolutely good it's just good to know i think there's still a little confusion about your limitations and everything that you can do so it's good for the public to know what you're out there doing and what you can do. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, no problem.
0: Commissioners, any additional questions for Block by Block? Um, Commission Secretary, do we have a question in chambers?
1: Yes, we have one public comment. Nicholas Royball, if you wanna approach the podium, you'll have three minutes.
5: Evening again, Commissioners. Um, So at the last council meeting, Captain Mulder had mentioned that the DOJ was having a trans training with our sheriff's department. Were our block-by-block ambassadors invited to that DOJ training with our sheriffs? If so, in addition, how did that training go? What did it entail? What did our sheriffs learn from the DOJ? Conversely, I'm really worried about what I just heard. That, and maybe I'm reading into the gap here, but that's my job as a citizen who cares. Why are our block by block management team just now reaching out to the LGBT Center? How long have we had them? Why are they just now doing this work when a community member comes forward? reporting violence by some ambassadors. Because that's what was reported at Monday's council meeting. Somebody in our community came forward and said they felt violenced by people that were supposed to be protecting them. Literally, I have written in my notebook what they said at that meeting. And I quote, I need to be safe. What I just heard, that now we're reaching out to the LGBTQ Center. I heard nothing about the DOJ training with the Sheriff's Department. When I think about care, concern, intention, effort, reality, perception, and then we witness the rage that we witnessed on Monday, however one interprets that for appropriateness, in terms of space and effect along this affect. I am very concerned about what I'm hearing about what's being done. I think we need to open our eyes to what is happening to a part of our population that does not feel safe. Because this isn't a, and I don't think it's working.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you want to make a comment um, about the training or any additional comments or if we'll get an update in our next meeting.
13: Yeah, so from what I understand, uh, earlier this year, I think there was another training with the LGBTQ Center. Um, I can find out more information about that, Um, again, with any training that we uh, give our ambassadors, it's not a one and done. We always have refresher trainings. Right now, for example, uh, we're trying to partner with a, a Be Alive uh, social service uh, partner here in West Hollywood for additional Narcan training as a refresher. So it, it's not a one and done. I, I think in this particular scenario, um, you know, this particular incident kind of sparked the need to have that refresher with the lgbt sooner than we had an anticipated and um and continue those conversations as well.
0: Okay. Great. Um commissioners, any additional questions? All right, well, thank you very much. Have a wonderful holiday.
13: Thank you likewise.
0: Item 8A. The Public Safety Commission will receive a report from the city's facilities and field service division on alternative and additional public restrooms.
14: Thank you, Chair Hallman and Commissioners. um, Good evening. My name is Helen Combs. I'm the Facilities and Field Services Division Manager for the City of West Hollywood. Um, I'm here this evening to um, gather input from the Commission in regards to um, proposed restrooms at Plummer Park. I'm going to go through a brief presentation to kind of give you a history of the the item as a whole. Um, The City Council, of course, has directed us to do uh, to go to different boards and commissions, it would be yourself and um, as well as the LGBTQ, the Transgender Advisory Board, um, the Public Facilities Commission, and the Human Services Commission. Um, I've already visited the LGBTQ Commission, the Transgender Advisory Board this evening, the Planning Commission, of course, tomorrow evening, Human Services and then Wednesday evening, um, the Public Facilities Commission, and then we'll be returning to council with the input we received from the different commissions in regards to um, this item. But um, next slide, please. Um, The council's direction for this item, it actually has a little bit of a history, and I'll give you a brief overview. I know it's been here for a while, so I don't want to drag on too much, and I'm sure you're kind of familiar with the item. Um, The council, has a homeless subcommittee which um, is made of two council members as well as staff Um, and at one point in time during covid we did see a lot of um, issues with restroom availability because a lot of restrooms were closed by county order Um, so at that time it kind of really brought to surface the issue of not having available space for available locations for individuals to use the restroom In public spaces not only the unhoused community but you know we saw an uptick of um, delivery drivers and uber drivers and um, you know just individuals that have medical conditions you know when we think about having these restrooms open um, it's there's many people that use these types these these types of facilities if they're open on a 24-hour basis or um, or even a expanded basis in comparison to uh, normal availability so um that kind of brought this to surface and they asked us to look at different options um then in, of course the, the restrooms were opened again um and at that time we um were not meeting boards and commissions we not meeting we didn't have time to discuss it so in turn we're bringing this item back now after i know it's been a little bit of a pause um but we're bringing it back now the uh council homeless ad hoc committee has recommended that we open two locations Plummer Park and West Hollywood Park. Um, and at this time, the council said move forward with West Hollywood Park as part of the mid year budget, um, but please go back to the boards and commissions and ask for input on the safety and their concerns they might have for Plumber Park as it is in a neighborhood. So um, as part of that direction, they they said develop a campaign to publicize, publicize the locations and operational hours of all city facilities, which we're going to be working with our comms department to do that. Um, and that we we'll be putting on websites not only for um, people that are experiencing homelessness, but people that are visiting our city, people that are um, have medical conditions. There's all different types of websites and we will be be publicizing um, West Hollywood Park and then possibly Plummer um, and then all of our existing city facilities. We have um, several pocket parks that are open during the day um, and then we have, all, of course, the City Hall and the library and, and the different city facilities. So those will be, that information is already out there on Google and there's a couple of other spots, but we're going to be adding to that. And then it, the next item was to proceed with, of course, the opening of the restrooms at West Hollywood Park 24 hours a day. Um, once we receive the budget allocation. And as part of that process with council was to have a block, two block by block security officers there um, during um, the time that that restroom is open during the 24-hour period. Um, And then, of course, bring back a further analysis on Plummer Park and discuss safety matters with pertinent city advisory boards and commissions. Uh, Next slide, please. So this is actually the West Hollywood Park location, um, just to give you an understanding. When these bathrooms were initially designed, they looked a little bit different than this. Um, as we started to move through the design, we did something um, based on, on on trying to make the bathrooms pri- somewhat private but usable but also, um, not too private that people don't move into them. So um, we have the restrooms, uh, we have the sinks on the outside and then the restrooms have a stall-like effect. And then there's a roll-down door that closes at night when these restrooms are closed. But this would be the first restroom, of course, that would be open 24 hours a day with um, uh, block-by-block ambassadors there to secure the location. So the next slide, please. This is of course Plummer Park. Um, This is the south parking lot of Plummer Park. Um, Next slide. We're proposing back in where you see the pink in the back corner, those are two single-use restrooms um, and we're proposing those would be the locations that would be open 24 hours a day. Um, This is close to a residential area, whereas uh, West Hollywood Park is not close to a residential area. And I think that was some of the conversation is you know, would there be concerns about that being close to the to residential area? Um, next slide, please. And this is just kind of a close up of the, that location. I know we've had plans move moving forward to put the re, to put the sinks on the outside. That's been a plan in process for a long time, and that eventually will happen in the near future, where the sinks will be moved outside. Um, and then possible modifications so that they're more similar to the ones at West Hollywood Park. But that's an overall plan that we're doing at all of our our facilities. Um, Next slide. Um, This is the current, another location in the park that um, we looked at, but we decided not to go in that direction because it is in the middle of the park. The park does close at 10 o'clock. So um, having this available off the parking lot would serve a lot of different needs. It would serve the needs of um, individuals in the community that are, with homelessness as well as, you know, drivers and in different types of community members that may need the restroom 24-7. Um, next slide. So that concludes my presentation. Um, I'm here this evening to take any input you may have to get back to the council in regards to um, uh, placing a location at Plummer Park 24-7. Again, this would probably start um, spring of next year. Um, as part of the uh, budget process, as well as giving time to ramp up. Um, I know um, Director Revis and I have been in discussions. We would have to ramp up the availability of uh, block-by-block ambassadors to secure uh, West Hollywood Park um, as well if Plummer Park was to come online. So I'm here to take any information, answer any questions you may have.
0: Um, I'm Commissioner's. Any questions? Yes, comes from uh, yes. Freiburg. I'm sorry.
9: Uh, okay. Hi, thank you for your presentation. Um, I know this is, when I researched this, there was a lot of concerns from big cities. So this is not just a little incident here in West Hollywood that a lot of people tried to make this. Um, I was wondering, um, these other cities, what, do you know what other issues they've come across or ran into they had problems with that maybe think- we could learn from? Sure. Um, I think um, a lot of the cities
14: initially started with the restrooms that clean themselves. Yeah. That was one of the, and the city of LA did that as well, and Metro's done that. Um, they're starting to move away from those because of the, the high cost and maintenance requirements, and they're shut, they, they need to shut them down a lot. Again, another, other, other issues were um, the, the, um, the use was not what they thought it would be, or also that the cost. Um, San Francisco has a very active program and it's very, it, it, it's quite costly but they feel that the benefits outweigh um, the cost. But um, some of the cities, is, I think it's a lot of it is cost and then is it actually being used that much? And, and, and depending on their approach, not a lot of them had 24-hour security at those locations. They were more open to the public and they were different styles. There's different styles of restrooms out there. Something that's most popular are things like the portal and different types that now kind of are, if you've been to Europe, you, they're the, kind of the stand in the middle of the block, but you don't have, you have the, um, like a stall concept for the entire restroom. Um, so they, they have an added security to those locations, um, or if they do, it's, it's limited. So those were some of the concerns that I saw when I was doing my research as well. Um, and, but a lot of the issues were cost. But again, like I said, I think in the city of West Hollywood, our concern is more the does the benefit outweigh the cost?
9: And then my other question was, do you plan on providing any emergency buttons inside the bathrooms? Um, that,
14: that has not been considered, but maybe possibly that's, a, that's an option in moving forward in the future. I know we would have some ambassadors right outside, right. so um, it may not be necessary initially, but if we move forward and feel that it's necessary, then we could look at that as well.
9: Okay, Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Commissioner Aranian. Um Thank you, Chair.
8: Helen, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, Thank you for your presentation.
14: And I haven't forgotten about you. We were just, I was telling Danny, I'm going to take the the comment that um, the public made about the light posts back again to our engineering division about cleaning the top of those light posts.
8: I appreciate it, thank you. Um, Again, thank you for your presentation. And um, I understand that increasing accessibility to public restrooms should reduce the amount of public urination uh, and defecation on our city streets. But I also feel that it's going to welcome or also increase crime in the neighborhood. Um, What are we going to do to prevent our neighboring cities who have unhoused residents uh, to move into West Hollywood? Um, What are we going to do to prevent encampments being built by these public restrooms that are going to be open 24 hours a day? Um, I go on my morning walks every morning at Poinsettia Park. and those restrooms are closed. And every morning. um, They open them between 830 and nine o'clock in the morning. And you could see a line outside of the unhoused people uh, from Poinsettia Park, Park, who are waiting to use uh, the restroom facilities. With West Hollywood making our bathrooms available 24 seven. What are we going to do to prevent neighboring people from Culver City, from, you know, Los Angeles, Hollywood, to coming into our city and uh, making camp. Uh, That's one concern that I had. Um, The other concern I have is how are we going to prevent any illegal activity that will happen there? Um, I saw that in the budget there's uh, funds being allocated for block by block, but I don't see any funds being allocated for extra sheriff's patrol to patrol um, either West Hollywood Park or uh, uh, Plumber Park. So I would like to see um, an allocation of funds to our Sheriff's Department to increase patrol in those areas, especially after the midnight hour. Uh, Nothing good ever happens after 9 p.m., my parents used to say. And I can guarantee you nothing good happens after midnight here in the streets of West Hollywood. You know, unfortunately, we live in a society where, you know, crime is part of our everyday lives. Um, Substance abuse, unfortunately. And I can already foresee what's going to be happening in those restrooms. Um, I've been a resident of West Hollywood for over 20 years. I remember the Yukon Mining. I remember all those places back in the day uh, where, you know, you know, they were open 24 hours. And nothing good ever happens at any place that's open 24 hours, not even at Denny's. Um, so I would like to see how we're going to mitigate any uh, illegal activity going on. Um, and I, I believe my uh, colleague uh, also mentioned about other cities uh, who have their bathroom facilities open 24-7. Are there any cities like Beverly Hills or any other cities that we are aware of that have these facilities open, bathroom facilities?
14: Um- not, not some of the smaller cities that I'm aware of. I mean, we can definitely reach out before we go back to council to see if there's any other cities. I know the city of Los Angeles does have some restrooms where they are in, in the metro as well. Um, you, you pose several good um, questions, and, and we will definitely look, at, look into those and consider those when we go back to council um, and provide the input that we have received from this commission this evening.
8: Uh, and One other uh, comment I would have, I would also maybe like to see a mental health worker Station there um, if you're going to be using the facilities at midnight 1 a.m. Maybe Doing outreach at that hour uh, To the unhoused who are going to be using the facilities any way that we can any opportunity that we can to make contact uh, with the unhoused offering them um, Blankets offering them, you know pamphlets and resources to to get them off the streets and get them into shelters um, I would like to hopefully see that as well.
14: And we, and we can definitely bring that back. We're gonna take all the input and bring it back as part of our recommendation to council. Um, and in regards to Poinsettia Park, um, one of our directions was to reach out to them as well to see if there's any way that they could look at um, opening their restrooms for more extended periods. And, and I hear what you're saying, our maintenance yard is directly across from the encampment over on Poinsettia Place.
8: Uh, and maybe this should be a question for the sheriff's department but i believe is it illegal to um have an encampment in west hollywood to set up a tent either on the main santa monica boulevard uh detective Rivas, you know is it illegal pretty much to set up a tent on say santa monica and gardner and you know and
15: uh call your residence yeah um, it is not permitted uh, especially if it's you know something that is obscuring uh, pedestrian path of travel Um, Every situation is is addressed differently and assessed, but um, uh, it is not something that's that's permitted. So if somebody was setting up um, an encampment in the public right-of-way or even in the city park, that is something that uh, we would address no differently than we're addressing now uh, when those issues come up. Um, And then in addition to uh, security, I just wanted to add that um, that is the intent of why we would have our security ambassadors there. We would not be um, recommending to the City Council uh, that uh, we have additional uh, deputy uh, patrols. Um, security ambassadors, if they come across a situation that they're incapable of, of handling, then that's when they would contact our West Hollywood Sheriff Station, um, right? And they would get that, that quick response because it would be a priority call, right, depending on the circumstances. but. Um, as uh, Helen had mentioned, um, certainly taking all the input and feedback from the commission, um, but um, I would just uh, wanna be transparent to the commission as well that um, the Department of Community Safety would not be recommending uh, to the city council that um, you allocate um, foot patrols that occur in the later evening hours in our parks um, at that time you know parks typically are closed for you know recreational purposes right the hours are closed of course this would allow folks to take advantage of the restroom facilities Um, And so whether we had one ambassador or even two ambassadors more than likely in the evening hours um, working together, um, you know, that late in the evening, um, you know, and then allowing them to report, you know, directly to the stair station if there's something that they would be incapable of handling. Um, And then just know that, you know, the security ambassadors are assigned uh, to uh, the parks, uh, West Hollywood Park and the Plumber Park um, 24-7. And so there are routine checks, obviously there's kiosks that, Folks are familiar with that are stationed there and dedicated to there, but then outside of those hours as well, um, you know, there's routine checks and patrols that um, are expected to occur on a very frequent basis. So this would just be expanding that in terms of having a dedicated kiosk, if you will, that would be in front of those restrooms, uh, right there, uh, positioned. And again, as it got into the later evening hours, having um, potentially two ambassadors there. Uh, Working together as a team uh, to address any concerns, but appreciate the input and feedback Uh,
8: One and just one last uh, comment will the bathrooms be checked After each use to make sure there's no syringes on the floor making sure that there's no leftover Paraphernalia if anything like that and if there is syringes or paraphernalia left behind is that going to be the responsibility of block by block to pick it up or will those bathrooms be closed until uh, fire comes or the sheriff's comes to remove those paraphernalias that may or may not be found after a person has used those facilities.
14: I Don't know that it, it would be feasible to recommend that we check them after each use I think that you know of course a sweep but we would be having janitorial staff do that who are trained to um, pick up sharps and um, and to do any other types of cleanups that are necessary. Yes, you would probably have to close them down until someone, if there was an incident, you would have to close them down until someone could come and do those type, do that type of cleaning. But um, we do have extra funding in our budget for um, uh, extra cleaning of those facilities. We have janitorial staff in the city 24-7. Um, while they're not always located at that facility, we do have someone there until 11-30 um, at Plummer 1030 here and then we have janitorial staff that's here throughout the night cleaning the facilities and can dispatch um, folks to take care of uh, that type of thing. I don't, like I said, I don't know that it would be feasible and as again, as Director Rivas mentioned, um, we're going to take all this input back as a kind of a listing of, of the input we received, but we would be making a recommendation on what we think is most feasible. So being, as he said, transparent, we're not going to go back and make all these recommendations because we think that it's we need to put this into play first and then see um how we adjust i think that's kind of how we we, we're looking at this as more of a pilot program to see um because we could start this program in the first six months nobody uses a bathroom after 3 a.m so then maybe that's not necessarily but but again these are the kind of things that um you bring up, bring up a good, lot of good points that you know these might be unintended consequences of a good thing that we're trying to do. But um, until, we, until we experience them, then we, would, um, we wouldn't necessarily make all these recommendations to the council initially.
0: Uh, thank you. Commissioner Nickel.
2: Thank you, Chair. Thank you for your presentation. Um, do we know what the homeless counts showed, the last one, for the population
14: on the east side? i I do not um I'm in the facilities maintenance and management business um I know that I can get you that information from um our uh, our strategic initiatives uh strategic um initiatives I believe they're called um, division um, I can get that information for you I don't have the exact number this evening, but I'll definitely get it for you and uh, send it over to um Jessica to send out to you Great. To the commission. Thank you.
2: um so i We're a progressive city, and we always try to find the best solution when there are problems. And what we're trying to address here is a problem. I understand that, but we're looking at $423,000.80 for the first year. And then after that, for not just Plummer Park, I'm talking about both locations. And then after that $413,080 every additional year. The first year, there's a $10,000 startup just to alert people that the bathrooms are open. Correct? Correct. Okay. Um, so I looked, because the city, if people don't know, we do have residential listings on, on the city website of apartments that are available for rent. So I found one over in on the east side. I live near Plummer Park. It's my neighborhood park. $2,495 a month, one bedroom, one bath. So we could house 169 people for a year for the amount that we're going to spend the first year because the real problem is that they're homeless. It's not that they don't have a bathroom. If they had a home, they'd have a bathroom. So I'm just wondering, once the numbers came down, was there ever any kind of discussion that if the city had this money to spend, why not spend it on the problem? And if we were to go to the valley, if we were to spend this money outside of West Hollywood, we could house even more people. I'm just wondering.
14: I mean, that's a different discussion I, in regards to housing. I know we are bringing forward at the next council meeting the uh, transitional housing at Holloway. Um, we are starting construction on that location. Um, but I think we're looking at this as not only a problem in regards to homeless. People experiencing homelessness, but also um, nightlife here at West Hollywood Park in this area, and then also other individuals needing availability for restrooms after hours. So I don't think we're only looking at it as, as, as a fix to the, um, for unhoused community. I think that's a portion of it, definitely, but I think we're looking at it as a broader um, item.
2: And, and, I, and I know that when it was first brought out um, of the subcommittee that that was the concern. It was on the west side. It was people at bars going into neighborhoods using the bathroom and stuff. But um, most people can find a bathroom. They can go home. They can go into an establishment in the middle of the night if they need to. And especially, again, I've lived for 19 years right by Plummer Park. Um, I remember Ruth Williams talking about the great efforts that it took to clean it up, specifically around the bathrooms. There was prostitution, there was drugs being used, uh, there were drugs being used, It, it wasn't a good situation. I'm just worried that we're going to bring that back. I can't imagine that it would be, that a lot of other people other than the homeless would be using it. So I'm just saying, if we have this kind of money to spend, most people can find a bathroom in the middle of the night, homeless people, they, they need a house more than a bathroom. So I would encourage you to find
14: a way to incorporate that into your discussion. We can definitely um, put that in the uh, staff report that we take back to council, your recommendations as part of that.
2: Great. I appreciate it. Um, I, I think those are my questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh,
11: Commissioner Blow. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your report as well. Um, I guess my, 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 sole question is, uh, with respect to Plummer Park, where would we imagine the block by block security ambassadors being positioned with respect to, uh, the bathroom itself? Cause I think, I think that might address a lot of the concern here about, um, you know, maintaining safety.
14: I would envision, and again, um, Director Rubis could step in if he has any other comments, um, I would envision right there next to the bathrooms. Like we're doing up at the north side, we have the the kiosk right in the middle of the park, we have um, a block by block security ambassador at those restrooms because they've proven over the years to be problematic. And um, we would situate it just like that directly across or next to the restrooms. It's a wide sidewalk, so fortunately that there's area, there's room there.
11: Thank you, I I really appreciate this alternative way of thinking for community safety and security as well. Um, utilizing block by block to kind of be a little bit more of a a safety presence where maybe we wouldn't be as effective with um, cameras in this instance um, at at preventing maybe some uh, unwanted behavior, Uh, but then as well being a handoff to our other services which are more capable and suited to uh, Escalated situations, whether it be police um, or the CARES team. So, thank you. Um, my
0: questions on the newly designed restrooms in West Hollywood Park, I've used several times, um, not in the evening, but during the day. And I think that particular design is a better design because there's less chance or opportunity for nesting. Um, They're more of an open design. And each time I've utilized one, they've been clean. Um, My concern with Plummer Park, I mean, first and I agree with some of my other commissioners. I think we need to explore, is this something that's happening in Beverly Hills? Is this something that's happening in Hollywood? Um, Also, Poinsettia Park. I've used those restrooms and they are complete closed in facilities as Plummer Park. And I think they're problematic. So is there a way that before we move forward with this at Plummer, that the doors can be modified where maybe it's not a full door but it's a half door, so it mirrors more of what's happening in West Hollywood Park. Because I've been in Plummer Park during the day, and patrons that are using the park have difficulties getting into those restrooms. So I'm concerned about Plummer Park. I think we need to do some modifications. Is that possible before this pilot goes into effect?
14: We could definitely... Um raise that as part of our recommendation is to do modifications prior to opening it, which would delay the opening but um, would not necessarily stop it from moving forward if if that's the desire of the council.
0: Well, I just think, you know, there have been so many concerns from residents that border Plummer Park um, with transient activity that goes on that I'm just concerned that this could add to that issue if we don't do the best that we can to make sure um we make it more of a feasible situation um, so that's what I would like to see and again find out if this is happening in Beverly Hills and in Hollywood, and also you know bordering Plummer Park there is a large unhoused community. And as Commissioner Ramian said, you know, there's a line to get in in the morning. So are they going to travel south? And I just think we need to look at some options. And then also, we're looking to have block by block staff and monitor these facilities. Do we have the staff to do this, Director Revis?
15: Uh, Yes, we we will uh, not currently. Obviously, that's the reason why uh, Helen is here and uh, is making the presentation and the recommendations as a part of the plan that will be going to the city council for consideration will include um, the addition of the security ambassador staff. So those staff members will need to be hired uh, uh, for uh, this uh, service and for these hours and working this shift. So we will have staff. Uh, We don't have staff at this time, but we will hire staff at that time.
0: Okay, great. Um, Those are like my comments and concerns, especially Plummer Park. I can see it working better, a little better in West Hollywood Park, because again, of the designs of the toilets, but Plummer Park is concerning to me.
14: Okay, thank
0: you. Uh, Commissioners, any other questions? Commissioner Secretary, do we have any public comments on this?
1: We don't have any public comment on this item.
0: thank you Um, Helen Collins thank you
14: thank you and I and I appreciate um, your input this evening again this is input that the councils asked for and I'm sure they appreciate you taking your time to provide this input so that we can take back a a staff report that represents the community and and the Commission and boards um, input so thank you so much
0: thank you for being here and happy holidays same to you Item nine on our agenda, um, are there any updates from staff? Uh,
15: There is, and and good evening, Chair, um, and members of the Public Safety Commission. I'm Danny Rivas, Director of Community Safety for the City of West Hollywood. Um, I do have a number um, of updates. Um, First and foremost, I I do want to um, provide an update uh, regarding uh, 1030 Sierra Bonita, um, which is Uh, the property um, that had uh, a fire Uh, TO TWO STRUCTURES uh, ON THAT PROPERTY. AND SO THE UPDATE um, INVOLVES THAT THE CITY'S uh, NEIGHBORHOOD AND BUSINESS SAFETY DIVISION, uh, WHICH FALLS UNDER THE UMBRELLA OF THE COMMUNITY SAFETY DEPARTMENT, um, I KNOW I HEARD A COUPLE OF FOLKS TODAY REFER TO THE CODE COMPLIANCE DIVISION. Um, SO THE CODE COMPLIANCE DIVISION NAME um, HAS CHANGED uh, FOR um, A LITTLE OVER A YEAR NOW, Um, ALTHOUGH I KNOW AND I UNDERSTAND THAT MANY FOLKS STILL REFER TO THEM AS CODE COMPLIANCE DIVISION, um, BUT that is now the Neighborhood and Business Safety uh, Division. Um, So same functions um, as uh, there were before, that includes our code enforcement team, um, our administrative support team that processes a number of different uh, business uh, regulatory licenses and and other permits, um, manages our animal care and control operations, um, et cetera. And so uh, might be helpful, I'll ask our Neighborhood and Business Safety Manager, uh, Vito Adamitis, who I know has sat in uh, before here Um, in my absence, uh, the Public Safety Commission to maybe come and give uh, an update in the beginning of the year some time for the community and for the commission as well. Um, So our Neighborhood and Business Safety Division um, did issue uh, a notice Uh, TO THE PROPERTY OWNER uh, LAST WEEK um, AND THAT NOTICE uh, WAS A NOTICE IN ORDER TO DEMOLISH uh, UNSAFE STRUCTURES uh, THAT CURRENTLY exist uh, ON THE PROPERTY AND THEN IN ADDITION TO THAT, THAT NOTICE IN ORDER INCLUDED PROVIDING uh, 24-7 ON-SITE SECURITY. Um, As uh, Erica Leone, our general manager from Block by Block had mentioned uh, earlier during her report, um, we did uh, make adjustments to uh, provide uh, Block by Block services um, to perform uh, what's referred to as a fire watch. uh, Given the fact that there was a fire that occurred there, um, we uh, made the decision to uh, uh, apply our block by block services um, at that property in the interim um, while uh, we were issuing and working on our notice of order uh, requiring the on-site security that is there now. Um, the reason why I bring that up is you also mentioned as a part of her report, Um, the uh, limitations that they have in terms of accessing private property, right? Um, And so the firewatches I mentioned and based off of what occurred, really allowed us to uh, make those adjustments in terms of providing uh, city security services on private property. Um, That's not something that we typically do, Um, BUT AGAIN, given THE CIRCUMSTANCES um, AND THE SITUATION, uh, THAT IS THE BASIS AND THE REASONING BEHIND THAT DECISION. SO I JUST WANTED TO MAKE SURE THAT MEMBERS OF THE COMMUNITY um, AS WELL AS THE PUBLIC SAFETY COMMISSION uh, WERE AWARE OF THAT. Um, AND SO PRIVATE SECURITY HAS BEEN PROVIDED uh, SINCE uh, SATURDAY uh, OF LAST WEEK. OUR NEIGHBORHOOD AND BUSINESS SAFETY uh, DIVISION uh, HAS CONFIRMED THAT. THEY WILL CONTINUE TO PERFORM uh, PERIODIC CHECKS um, EACH uh, DAY. Um, at the property, right, to ensure that security is being provided. Um, there is a, a timeline um, regarding uh, when the property owner is responsible to uh, fulfill their obligation uh, as written and notated in that notice of order. Um, that provided uh, more or less um, about 30 days from when uh, the notice and order was issued uh, to uh, demolish the structures. Um, obviously there's a process ahead of that in terms of getting a demolition permit from our city's building and safety division um, and going through that process uh, in terms of submitting plans um, and having that approved by our city engineers and building and safety and then issuing the permit and then having the work completed um, as a part of that process too, that also requires that the property owner uh, provide notification to our air quality management district, um, AQMD, Um, that is an agency that's a part of any sort of demolition um, that occurs uh, on a property. Um, If the property owner Uh, does not uh, fulfill uh, the requirements as mentioned in the notice and order, um, then the city will be pursuing a nuisance abatement process um, on the property. Um, That will more than likely take uh, an additional uh, four weeks Um, tentatively um, to to complete uh, the work and so a nuisance abatement process involves the city uh, doing the work themselves so hiring a contractor um, and then uh, going into court um, and having a judge assign what's called an abatement warrant and that allows a city agency and its contractors and its agents to uh, access uh, private property and perform the work uh, that's needed as reflected in that notice of order so um, We will be continuing to uh, monitor the property as mentioned. Uh, We are in communication uh, with the property owner. Um, And again, if the property owner does not fulfill their obligation, uh, then at that point, the city will be pursuing uh, the nuisance abatement process. Um, And that process is reflected in our West Hollywood Municipal Code. um, And other uh, cities and agencies uh, also have uh, the ability to do so. And so that will be Uh, based off of our review uh, with our uh, legal team, um, the best, uh, quickest, most effective and efficient way to addressing uh, the issue um, at hand. I ALSO WANTED TO JUST PROVIDE A BRIEF UPDATE AS IT RELATES TO 1280 Suitzer. Um THAT IS ANOTHER uh, PROPERTY uh, THAT HAS BEEN COMMUNICATED. I KNOW THE COMMISSION uh, HAS ALSO uh, INQUIRED ABOUT THAT. AND SO WHAT I CAN SHARE um, AND WHAT'S BEEN SHARED TO THE COMMUNITY AND THE CITY COUNCIL BEFORE IS THAT uh, THAT PROPERTY is CURRENTLY uh, GONE THROUGH A RECEIVERSHIP PROCESS, um, WHICH MEANS THAT THE CITY uh, HAD TO FILE A CIVIL LAWSUIT um, THAT um, WENT THROUGH THE COURT SYSTEM AND THEN ultimately ultimately. ultimately had um, a judge uh, grant uh, receiver. And so a receiver is a um, a, court-appointed individual. It could be typically an attorney uh, or a broker. Um, but that is somebody that essentially um, goes out to a property, uh, takes possession uh, temporarily of the property and then begins performing the work that's needed to bring the property into compliance. Um, There are a number of different steps involved in that um, and these processes of course can be delayed uh, based off of a a property owner um, hiring an attorney and then filing motions Um, contesting the action that um, any government agency, such as the city uh, takes uh, on a property. And so um, that is what I can share as it relates to uh, both of those properties at this time. Um, Switching to um, updates, we did have a city council meeting um, last uh, Monday. um, And so I wanted to to share that that there were a number of, of community safety related items Um, that were communicated and presented to the community as well as the city council. That included a semi-annual community safety update. And so this is an update that um, staff uh, provides the city council um, typically twice a year, Um, It uh, will include year-to-date statistics and information, uh, both from our Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Los Angeles County Fire Department, our Block-by-Block Security Ambassadors, as well as our Neighborhood and Business Safety Division. Um, And so you'll have all four of those reports. Um, that are provided to the city council to review. um, As a part of that discussion, Um, it also included uh, contract staffing levels for our Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Um, And the decision was made by the city council to uh, uh, um, reallocate uh, one uh, patrol deputy uh, to the sheriff's uh, contract uh, with the city. Um, And then in addition to that, uh, city council did direct staff to return um, in January uh, with our West Hollywood Sheriff Station in terms of providing uh, a public safety plan in terms of addressing uh, the emerging uh, residential burglaries uh, that you heard were reported uh, earlier by Lieutenant Lapkin and Sergeant Duran from our West Hollywood Sheriff Station. so um, that item it will be scheduled again uh, more than likely the second meeting in January which will include a public safety plan on how to address that. Um, as well as the approval of uh, a one patrol deputy. I'M um, SWITCHING TO uh, ANOTHER ITEM THAT I WANTED TO MAKE MENTION AND UPDATE THE COMMISSION ON WAS A uh, FOLLOW-UP ON THE UPDATE OF THE PUBLIC SAFETY TECHNOLOGY uh, SECURITY ENHANCEMENTS. AND THIS WAS AN ITEM uh, LAST uh, COMMISSION MEETING THAT uh, WE BROUGHT BACK BEFORE THE PUBLIC SAFETY COMMISSION FOR ADDITIONAL INPUT AND FEEDBACK ALONG WITH OTHER COMMISSIONS THAT PARTICIPATED um, AS A PART OF THAT PROCESS. AND SO uh, STAFF DID MAKE RECOMMENDATIONS TO THE CITY COUNCIL AS A PART OF THAT STAFF REPORT. Um, that. That included the recommendation to uh, approve um, the use of uh, an installation of ballistic protection, um, essentially bullet uh, proof glass um, at city facilities in certain areas. Um, It also included approving uh, the purchase of a Polaris uh, utility task vehicle uh, for community safety staff to utilize during major events such as Pride and Halloween. Um, And then in addition to that, it also included the approval of proactive security monitoring services. Um, And so what that is, is it would allow um, the city to look at uh, vendors to contract with to uh, monitor in real time uh, our existing uh, security cameras at city facilities. So we have a number of security uh, cameras throughout all of our city facilities, Um, and so this would be... um, entering into a contract with one of the service providers um, to essentially have what you've heard before um, is called a real-time watch center. Um, And so you'd be contracting with them, um, and so certain alerts obviously uh, would trigger like motion detection uh, of uh, a person in a certain area or after hours, um, and then that would alert um, these contractors um, essentially in a real-time watch center, right, to be able to uh, view what is occurring um, and then be able to actually communicate to individuals if they were um, suspected of doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and that would be either also contacting and making sure that whether the West Hollywood Sheriff Station responds. or or block by block security ambassadors, or simply just providing an alert uh, to city staff that are designated as a part of that program. Um, And then there was a second uh, recommendation included in that that um, asked the city council to approve directing staff to work with the city attorney's office um, on establishing um, policies, draft policies, as it relates to the use of drones, uh, fixed cameras uh, in our uh, public right of way, um, a real time watch center um, that would essentially be housed at our West Hollywood Sheriff Station, um, and looking at other uh, security enhancements, um, including a visitor management system um, at city facilities. Um, AND THE USE OF A WEAPON DETECTION SYSTEM TYPICALLY REFERRED TO AS LIKE A METAL DETECTOR um, AT CITY FACILITIES AS WELL. AND SO ALL OF THOSE ITEMS WERE GROUPED IN TOGETHER um, AS A PART OF THAT uh, RECOMMENDATION um, AND WAS ALSO APPROVED BY THE CITY COUNCIL. Um, THE CITY COUNCIL DID uh, AS A PART OF THAT MOTION AND APPROVAL. Um, ASK THAT STAFF um, COME BACK BEFORE THE PUBLIC SAFETY COMMISSION FOR INPUT AND FEEDBACK WHEN THE DRAFT POLICIES THAT RELATES TO THOSE uh, TECHNOLOGY um, ITEMS AND SECURITY ENHANCEMENTS ARE um, DEVELOPED uh, FOR INPUT AND FEEDBACK PRIOR TO RETURNING BACK TO THE CITY COUNCIL FOR um, consideration. Um, there is no uh, specific date uh, that was provided as it relates to that. Um, community safety staff is actually going to be working with our facilities and field services uh, manager uh, and team uh, to work on um, implementing, uh, you know, the ballistic protection uh, in certain areas at city facilities um, and then making the purchase uh, of the utility task force vehicle Um, as well as looking at um, the implementation and integration of a proactive monitoring service. So um, that uh, concludes uh, my comments. And I would just like to close by also just um, wishing everybody uh, happy holidays uh, and a new year uh, in the coming
0: weeks. Uh, Thank you, Director Rivas. Um, I do have a question Um, regarding Sierra Bonita and the developer. Um, I believe there are other properties in the city um, under the umbrella of this corporation. And if I'm correct, 1159 north from and there's also a property in Detroit, and I think there's some others, belong to this corporation uh, that are stalled, that I would say are maybe 85% done. Um, and I can say that for the Formosa and Detroit properties, there hasn't been any construction done in at least five months. So are we running the same risk? In fact, there was a small fire at 1159 uh, North Formosa that was quickly extinguished, thankfully. But if they are doing patrol on Sierra Bonita, is that correct? Have they hired um, their own security to patrol that property?
15: Uh, they're not patrolling, they are fixed, uh, there, um, so they're fixed. there, So they have a fixed post, so you have security a guard that is actually um, there on site at the property, so it's not uh, a patrol.
0: Got it, so what's the solution to securing their other properties in the city? so that we don't have the same issue. Um, for example, the ones that are partially done, or more than partially done, um, that are just sitting dormant because no construction is happening.
15: So I don't have the information as it relates to 1159 uh, Formosa um, providing an update on 1030 Sierra Bonita. Um, However, we will be looking uh, into uh, the other vacant properties. We currently are already doing that. Um, And so whether they're owned by, you know, the same owner, multiple vacant properties are, um, then we'll be assessing um, and taking a look at all of that, um, doing inspections, um, and then, if uh, you know, warrants uh, the need based off of calls for service and reports and whatnot, um, and the analysis of that individual vacant property, um, then that could be something uh, that we uh, order uh, the property owner uh, to provide, uh, similarly to what. Uh, we've done uh, recently here on Sierra Bonita and going through that process. Um, we do have that capability um, in our West Hollywood Municipal Code and our vacant property ordinance. Um, I think I may have touched on that maybe during the last meeting, uh, but of course there's uh, a certain criteria that needs to be met um, in order to, to order uh, security, um, but we can definitely um, you know, do that if there are signs of intrusion. Um, Obviously, if we're getting calls, if we have uh, situations and incidents uh, where uh, there may have been a fire on the property, et cetera, all of that is information, right, that will help support uh, the city in terms of issuing a notice and order uh, requiring security. Um, In some cases, it may not be uh, 24-7. It may even be uh, a partial uh, security requirement, right? But... uh, If there are continual things that maybe that happen outside of that, then we can continue to progress. um, And that's something that we will be conferring with our um, city prosecutor's office on uh, as we're going through uh, all
0: of our vacant properties. Okay, thank you so much. Um, Commissioners? Any questions before we move on? Okay, thank you, Director Rios. Um, Commissioner Secretary, do we have any public comments at this time?
1: Yes, we do have one public comment. Alberta Bly, if you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak.
16: Hi there. Um, Good evening. So uh, my name is Alberta Bly. I am a parent at Larchmont Charter School. And I'm here tonight uh, about something that was mentioned in the sheriff department's um, report. It was the gunmen that came to our school. And um, I, I do want to say that the sheriff's department was incredible. They showed up before I even knew what was going on. I dropped off my kids, went to the car, and the police were there. And the school's on lockdown. It happened so incredibly fast, and they were amazing. Um, so I did want to say that. Um, but it's just... Um, it's a little concerning to me the way that the mental health um, court is operating with this. because This gentleman is currently in the mental health court and they're debating whether or not he's competent, mentally competent to stand trial. So I know, I know this isn't your problem, I just wanted to say this on record, um, because he, um, he has a violent history, I know a lot about his history now because of what happened, and he was on probation for assault uh, against his mother, and he has a history when he was arrested being like very violent and had to be put in the basement of the court of the jailhouse, so basically solitary confinement. And he is likely going to be found mentally incompetent again. This will be his third time. And that means that he's potentially going to be out on the street in less than three months, unless he goes to, like, a lockdown facility, in which case he could be out within the next two years. And um, based on this gentleman's history and going back, even though he's got a restraining order, and now he's on the news for being at our school, somewhat, you know, infamous for him, um, I just... I don't know. I just wanted to put this on record. I just think it's um, really wild the way mental health is sort of protected um, in the law as far as, like, he can kind of get away with it because he's not mentally competent, um, which doesn't really seem fair for the people who try so hard to stay sane. That's all. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Commission Secretary, any additional public comments?
16: We don't
1: have any additional comments.
0: Uh, then moving on to item 11. Um, do we have any commissioner comments at this time? Uh, commissioner Fiber?
9: I just wanted to. Thank the Sheriff's Department, Block by Block, the Fire Department for keeping all our residents safe and all your tireless efforts all year round, and I hope you have a happy holidays. And staff as well, Danny and Jessica, thank you for all your help throughout the year. Really appreciate it and what you do for the residents. And my fellow commissioners, happy holidays and happy new year.
0: Thank you. Uh, Commissioners, Commissioner Nickel.
2: Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just wanted to report on some of my activities. I did do um, the building tour with the West West Hollywood Community Housing Corporation this weekend, which was very interesting. Um, And um, as um, Sergeant Duran had mentioned, I also did a ride-along with our volunteers with the Sheriff's Department, which was, um, was really good to do because a lot of people think that Maybe they just staff the front desk, which is, which really matters because they're the face that a lot of people see on a really bad day. They're the first person that they encounter. But they don't just do that. They do a whole lot of other stuff. There is um, there's a car. They go on patrol. They patrol alleys, um, especially over on the east side. There was a lot of that because we have lighting issues and we have lots of alleys. And so in the middle of the night, we were going down alleys and shining lights. Uh, they move people along when they park illegally so it was uh, it was a really good experience and uh, the people are really dedicated and they give their time um, just to make our city a better and safer place so I'd like to thank Michael King and Linda Spheris uh, for letting me go along um, Also, I was glad to see that in the last two council meetings that fire station eight and the status of it came up. I brought it up on my very first meeting here. So um, I'm just wondering, Director Rivas, in the next few meetings, is it possible for us to get like an update of what's going on with station eight and the future of it?
15: Uh, That is, if we have updates at at that point, um, absolutely. If I can share anything that's that's tangible, as you heard from the city council they obviously um gave staff direction to uh, look into that and so we certainly have been and will continue to but yes if there's an update absolutely
2: perfect thank you um and i did just one of the comments tonight made me think of something um complaints that were brought against block by block um so and the discussion about sensitivity training and um we know that the police, uh, the sheriff's station, they have these things in place. We give input, we have feelings about how, how good it is, how much more can be done. But one thing really hit me is that the police fall within the democratic framework. So before the last election, we had a different sheriff. And the people decided to change that. And Everyone in our West Hollywood sheriff Station reports to the sheriff and the sheriff reports to us because it's part of the democratic framework. And I think that that's important to remember. So often we think that um, government and and first responders and stuff aren't connected to us in the way that they are. And Block by Block has proven that they they have worth, that they do a lot of work in our city. They do not and do not want to replace our sheriff's department. And I think it's just good to remember that when you do privatize public safety, which is what we are partially doing, and privatization, for me, was always a bad word, um, that they report to whoever owns their corporation. So I just wanted to put that out there as, as a reminder. The comment tonight made me think of that. Um, and then otherwise, just
0: happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Nichols. I'm um, Commissioner Arimian.
8: Um, Thank you, chair. Um, I just want to thank our LA County fire um, sheriffs block by block for all your hard work that you do not only every day yearly. Um, it doesn't go unnoticed. I truly appreciate what you guys do for for our community. Um, also like to Say thank you to the staff, Director Rivas, uh, Commissioner, Secretary. Thank you for all you guys that you do here for us, Uh, not only for the commission but for the safety as well. And just finally, uh, happy holidays. I wish everyone on my uh, commission here a very safe, prosperous, and happy new year. And as well as to the members of the community, happy holidays and wishing you all a happy and safe, prosperous new year. Um, Thank you. Um,
0: Commissioners, anyone else? Um, quick comments um, I did attend the state of the community reception uh, for the city on 1129, which was very nice. Um, the layout and the design of this year's event, I thought was very well done and had a nicer flow. So, and it's nice connecting with staff in the city that sometimes we only email with. Um, also, I recently went to an event at Covenant House which is in Hollywood and they facilitate to young adults that have aged out of the system that I believe the age is 20 to 24. And they had the most amazing pop-up shop where their residents could go around and select merchandise from different vendors. And there were actually several residents that had started their own small business. And it was quite an impressive event. These young adults, um, despite adversity, are doing some amazing things. So I hope to be more involved with Covenant House, uh, because it was really a very nice um, event, and it's a beautiful property. And then also, I just wanted to quickly, because I think it's important for us as a commission, because we are all residents of the city. Uh, So when we had our ethics training, um, I think one of the most important things that we have to remember is when we're not sitting here in the dais as commissioners, um, if we go to other meetings, um, city council or commissions, um, our role and how we react. So in our ethics book, Uh, 2.2 on page 28, Um, it says, when making public utterances, officials shall make it clear whether they are authorized to speak on behalf of the body of which they are a member or whether they are representing their own views. Officials occasionally speak before other public bodies, neighborhood groups, or to the press. When doing so, they should always make it clear whether they are representing their own point of view, or whether they have been authorized by the body of which they are a member to present a particular view. Uh, The last point is really important because some of the newer commissioners may not be aware of this, but our last commission, um, there was a joint meeting, and Director Revis, you might have to remind, can you remind me what it was? We elected two commissioners to represent us. And speak on our behalf. One was Vice Chair Balbone and um, Commissioner Steele. So we do have these options um, when warranted. So that's why I wanted to go you know, through this. So if there are other meetings that come up, you know, we can decide, you know, if it's not the chair or vice chair, if we want to elect as a group someone to represent that represent us, Uh, am I correct in that?
15: You are correct, and it was the study session regarding nightlife safety.
0: Yes, Um, thank you.
15: And um, typically, the representatives are the chair. Um, If it requires uh, two members, typically it doesn't, uh, of a commission, then it would be chair vice chair. Um, But of course, if it's the will of the commission to designate uh, someone else in the commission to serve in um, another capacity, they can certainly do that. Um, but you are absolutely correct, Chair.
0: Okay, great, thank you, because I think it is important um, that, as residents, we do have our opportunity to share our opinion, but you know, just make sure that we are very clear in how we're making um, that presentation. Um, also, I want to thank staff, uh, Director Revis, um, I know I bug him to death, and I thank you for always being there for us, um, Commission Secretary, Thank you, you do an amazing job um, in running our meetings. Our Sheriff's Department, thank you. Um, Block by block, fire. I mean, we're a small city of 1.9 miles, but it takes a lot of agencies and organizations uh, to make this work effectively. And also I wanna thank my fellow commissioners. I am very excited about this seated group that's here i think we are a great group of commissioners and i'm looking forward to what we will do in 2024 so with that we are adjourned and i wish everyone a very happy holiday and a happy new year